This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Dustin Trout from EIC Agency. Dustin, how's it going? Awesome, awesome. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Love what you guys are doing with the podcast and what you guys are doing for uh, the local community here, highlighting small businesses, yeah. entrepreneurs. It's, it's awesome. Appreciate it, yeah. It's a lot of fun. We're happy to have you. Um, why don't you take a couple of minutes, give our audience a bit of a background on your life before we start talking about EIC. Cool. Well, I uh, grew up in Yuma, Arizona, a uh, wonderful little little city, but I'm an Arizona native, not not too many of us. Um, but uh, yeah, just grew up kind of riding dirt bikes and, and whatnot, playing baseball was a big, big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, competition was always, always huge. And I think that's kind of what, you know, kind of the entrepreneurial, uh, I guess, spirit comes from is yeah. always wanting to do better, um, always wanting to bring value and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's uh, moved up to Phoenix two days after I graduated high school to play baseball. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and been here ever since. Cool, cool. So you played baseball competitively all through high school then? Yeah, I played through high school um, and then played in college. Um, ended up getting hurt. Had Tommy John my freshman year two days before – or ten games before the end of the season. Oh, shoot. Um, redshirted my sophomore year. Came back junior year and then uh, started to have another good season and then tore my rotator cuff. And then after that, it was like, all right, well – uh, maybe this is more of a, a, a dream and time to time to get into the real world. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, started finding finding jobs and whatnot. But yeah, played played baseball through college, and again, just I think a lot of that has to do with uh, kind of where where I'm at from a business perspective and and whatnot. Just always always competing. Nice. And uh, was that at ASU you were playing? No, it was Phoenix College. I was talking to ASU quite a bit. Um, did get hurt my senior year at uh, high school, and it, it, talking to, to few pro teams, couple mm-hmm. D1s, and uh, basically all, all the same stuff. Go to junior college, uh, play for a little bit. Let's see what you can do. Started picking back up on the conversations and then tore my elbow up. And then same conversations, go at it again, see yeah. what happens. And yeah. we'll pick back up on the conversations. So a lot of a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Uh-huh. I mean, got got beat up quite a bit. But again, it's it's the mental toughness. I mean, it's it's even outside of business and outside of sports, I think. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a big piece. And that's definitely learned a lot, you know, yeah. going through – you know, talking to big people and then getting hurt and uh, not being on anyone's radar, but right. having to figure out how to, you know, work hard, work hard, get yourself out of this little hole um, and try to uh, prevail. Yeah. What was it like going through those injuries, um, having setbacks, go, getting back into it and then kind of coming to that final decision that, like you said, maybe this is more of a dream than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that process like coming to that? It's that tough. Decision? I mean, especially whenever you have an injury that, uh, I mean, most, most times you dislocate something, you're out for a couple weeks. I yeah. mean, it's with Tommy John, you're out for, I think it was 
13 months before I could even get back on the mound again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was six months, seven months, I think, after the surgery before I could even throw a baseball again. And so dealing with that, it's tough. I mean, I was only 18 years old and a whole year, that's a a big percentage of your life already. And it's like, you know, everything, I'm going to forget everything. Opportunity is not going to be there. But, you know, kind of a lot of conversations with mentors, my dad and everything like that. And it's like, well, I mean, you are where you're at. If this is truly what you're passionate about and want to do, you just need to know that you need to take it one day at a time. And, and what are those things or those milestones that you can pass that's going to get you to that end goal and that's getting back up on the mound. And so, uh, I mean, it, it, it is tough, but all, you know, any dark valley, there's there's a lot, of, a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, essentially. And so it's just figuring out how to take it one day at a time and really map out if that's your goal, what is it going to take to get there? And just making sure you're not... not getting too discouraged by that long-term thing. I mean, that long-term thing is the goal, but making sure that you're doing the, the things that you need to do, getting up, running, working out yeah. the elbow, doing all the PT and all that on a daily basis is just what's going to help you get there. Yeah. So, so relating that to like a business perspective now, when people are, you know, starting a business, running a business, they have setbacks. How do you know the difference between, okay, I need to push through this. I need to keep going, or maybe this isn't for me. Like maybe I need to reroute and try something else. I, I mean, Running, run a bit. I mean, this is the first time I ran a business. So yeah. We've been been around for two two and a half years now. But I mean, even through that, there. I mean, there's been multiple times where it's just like, eh, is what the stress, is the is the getting up, is like, it's a, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot. I mean, paying other people's wages, making sure that the family can eat. And now that we just yeah. had a kid, I mean, it's a, it's a lot. But at the end of the day, it's it's what I love. I love I love helping. I love seeing businesses grow. And I think you know, running a marketing agency is the best way to kind of lean into that because it's we're we're we only see growth if we help others grow. And I think that's kind of a good symbiotic relation between helping others. You get to help them uh, grow their business. And through that, we get to grow. But I mean, there's been plenty of times where it's just like, you know, you work hard on different pitches or proposals just Mm -hmm. to, just to get a no. And it's just like, man, this is the fourth one in a row, fifth one, sixth, tenth, whatever it is. It's like, at what point are we going to hit that, that little mark to get us to the next level? Mm -hmm. But again, you can keep focusing on, you know, this is hard. I should give up. But, or you could go, well, I know where I want to be. What are those things that we need to keep doing? And it's, it's taking those, those L's and figuring out why, not so much why there were losses, but how you can learn from them to make you, uh, you know, do a little bit better the next time. And I think just that perseverance and, and knowing that it just, it takes work to get to the next level. I mean, mm-hmm. just continuing that on, I think is played a huge part in continuing to grow. And I mean, far from where we want to be, but it's definitely been times where it's been tough, but yeah. Did you always have that level of resilience, Dustin, where uh, you just had this healthy relationship with fear, with failure, with setbacks, or is it something that you developed over time? You mentioned you had some mentors, family, etc. Talk to us a little bit about how how you developed it, because it sounds like it's one of your great strengths and it's really <laughs> served you well. I, I think just going through sports, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, my, my dad was always big on any time I wanted to give up because things got too tough. It was like, no, you... You made you made this decision to move forward. You, you know you got other people that are relying. On, even if it was something so small, it's it's you know your mom's happiness in your room being clean, even though it's hard. You don't want to do it. Like just little things like that. I think just having that instilled into me, and then getting through it. Not so much hey, you just need to put in the hard work and do it, but the why. Seeing how happy my mom was when the when it, the room was clean, or you know the project that I want to get up, give up on, knowing that we were going to see, but there's other people in the group on the project or whatever that they're you know passing the class was dependent on this. Yeah. And by putting in that extra work when I didn't even need it, all of a sudden everyone else like just seeing the impacts of putting in that hard work and how it can impact 
the people around me. Um, I think my dad did a very good job at, at helping my, me identify that. And again, just not so much, you need to do this because you said you're going to do it, but there are other impacts. Other people, whether well, it's livelihood, happiness, whatever it may be, are kind of tied to you getting through this. And, and I think seeing that over and over and over, those, those impacts at a bigger scale as I got older, I think just made it more fun to, uh, to kind of, all right, what's the next, I guess, pitfall, curveball that life you can throw at me because I know that, you know, it's just fun to figure out. And I think you just have to get used to just figuring it out. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to is life, running a business, all of it's hard. There's always curveballs thrown at you, but they're not things that you can't handle. It's just a matter of taking a step back, thinking through it. Um, and whenever you get through it and seeing the happiness and the success that comes from it, I think it's just so fulfilling. And I think it's just the repetitions. And I think that's, again, what baseball taught is going to practice day in, day out, and just putting in the repetitions just really helped. Love it. Cool. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Yeah, so it sounds like these things you've learned are, are super powerful, um, and basically you're, you're meant to be an entrepreneur and to be in this sort of space. Were you always planning on starting some sort of business, or at, at what point across the journey did you decide that you wanted to start a business and specifically get into digital marketing? Yeah, I... Great question. I, I distinctly remember in, in middle school, uh, kind of, we had that, what is your 20 year goal and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, my dad had a full-time job, but he had a, a, a side hustle and, and transition from retire, uh, retiring into that and growing it and kind of mm-hmm. watching him go through all that. Um, you know, in middle school, I, I kind of, I wanted to be an accountant and uh, have my own CPA. And, and so I think ever since then, I, I'm not a CPA now, but ever since then I wanted to run my own thing, I think yeah. just to kind of grow up like dad a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, I always knew I wanted to, never knew what that was. Um, somehow landed a job working at Google eight, nine years ago. And um, and then even then it was just a, a job in between jobs. Yeah. Um, but I was able to, uh, to really help small business owners with the Google ads platform and whatnot. And after, after educating and hearing people apply the things that they were learning and it actually having a positive impact on their business, hearing their excitement got me excited. So it was like, okay, well I I like this. And from there I just worked to different agencies and, Mm -hmm. and finally got to a point to where, I saw opportunity and things being run a little bit differently. I thought I learned enough and, and kind of that, that remembrance of going back to middle school was, uh, and remember you say you want to open your own thing. Yeah. And, and it's funny is the last agency I was at, there was a huge shakeup in, in the executive team. We lost some clients and, and I was on a pilot program and the person that, that loved working with me, she, she left. Um, and ultimately I got laid off and really it was a, a kick out the door that was just like, all right, well, I got two paths. I can either go work another agency, um, probably get a little promotion, get yeah. a little bit higher job or whatever, or I can try and start my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked, I worked, uh, decided to take the second path, and I started working at ASU, um, knowing that it would be a step back from where I w- what I was doing, but it opened up time. And yeah, then with yeah. that time, EIC Agency kind of kind of was born and was a side hustle, and um, I think it was always wanted to do it, didn't know what it was, what the time was. It kind of that kind of found me. And mm-hmm. then it was the, uh, again, going into that dark place where you got let go. Um, it's never fun to get let go, but found the positive in it. And it led me to starting what EIC is today. Awesome. And you mentioned you were going to ASU at the same time. Were you trying to get a specific degree? Did you end up graduating from there? Or? So I was actually working at the, the, uh, teacher's college. Oh, okay. um, so I wasn't going. Funny thing is, uh, through all this, I, I'm what, I want to say 15, 16 credits away from getting my bachelor's in accounting. Oh, wow. Never finished. Um, 
dad had medical problems. My brother had a, a kid early on. And so it was basically my parents can afford it. I don't want to take on debt and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I got to do what I got to do. Uh-huh. Um, but when I was working at ASU, the digital, uh, uh, basically running the digital ads uh, for the teacher's college, I could have got gotten my uh, degree for free, finished it up, but decided that the side hustle was a bit more important and allocated it there. But yeah, I got a lot of flack from a bunch of people saying, dude, you're so close. Why yeah, not get it? Well, like, well, it would have still taken uh, at least a hundred hours that hundred hours putting into the business. I think, I don't know. It's more ROI positive in the long run. And yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's a little, what a lot of people don't see is down, down the road. Like right now it might make sense to just put those couple more hours in and get the degree. Was there anyone that kind of like encouraged you to take this route of, of going all in on your side hustle or was it just you? Uh, yeah, my dad. I mean, going back to, yeah. to my dad, I mean, he was big on, uh, look, I mean, what you're doing in your career has nothing to do with accounting. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you could go back and it'd be cool to get that bachelor's. I've been the first person in my family to, uh, to finish a degree. Um, but it, you know, that's, there's a lot to be said there, but he's like, that, that's not your passion. What that degree is. Um, and he's big on just figuring like prioritizing your time and really finding the ROI and where you're spending your time. And he was just, I mean, it came up and I was like, you know, starting this and it's hard finding new clients and everything like that. I mean, if I were to stay with ASU, I mean, uh, when I have a kid, she can go to school for free. They have great benefits, great retirement. Why would I even want to take the stress on? He's like, dude, you you don't like working under someone. You're so creative and thinking and and all the the great things that a dad's going to say, but kind of helped light that fire and, and kept me down that path. Cool, cool. Well, let's talk about EIC agency. What What is it? What do you guys offer? Yeah, so we are a digital marketing agency. There's uh, four pillars to our business. Okay. Uh, we do help with content creation. So we help with video, um, photography, basically helping create the content that yeah. tells uh, the brand story. Uh, from there, when we've crafted that story, we, uh, we distribute it. We distribute it through paid ads and um, SEO organically. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the, the paid ads is where our, our bread and butter, our strength is really at running Google ads, Facebook ads, yeah. YouTube ads, and, and all that. Um, and then the last piece is really the the ROI and the measurement side of things is, uh, you know, you're spending money on videos, you're spending money pushing that video through YouTube, you're, you're taking pictures and all this stuff. Ultimately, you want to make sure you're making more money than you're spending. And so we're just big on the data and analytics. And that's our big differentiator is, you know, all these big agencies have experience, um, yeah. Lots of extensive experience, but that experience is kind of an old school marketing ways where we're in a digital world now where yeah. everything is trackable. It's more uh, uh, data centric and that's where, where our strength is. It's really, you spent a dollar, this is how much you made. We'll continue that strategy and tell you what videos you need to produce or what type of audience you need to reach and what channels. Ultimately, what's putting more money um, on the top line and, and bottom line for our clients. Cool. I'd love to dive into those four pillars if that's all right. So yep. the first you mentioned was content creation. Yeah. Um, just talk to us about the importance of content creation, especially in today's world with, you know, everyone's online, everyone's on social media. How important is content creation right now for a company? I mean, it, it's huge. It's it's literally how you're talking to someone. I mean, at the end of the day, it's most businesses have a great, uh, great problem that they solve. And if, if you're not telling the people how you're solving it or what, what problem you, you are solving, they're not going to know the value that your business brings. Mm-hmm. And, and from that, there's a bunch of nuances in the content. I mean, depending on your audience, you know, you might have an audience that video resonates with them. You yeah. might have an older audience where they like reading blogs. You might, I mean, it really, so it, it's huge in terms of really, again, telling your story, which helps build that relationship um, and humanizes that brand. But then being able to articulate, hey, consumer, you might not even know you have this problem. 
um, once they can identify, oh yeah, that is a problem, here's how we can help solve it. And, and through content, that's the only way you can really, really reach them is, is without it. I mean, they're, they're never going to know. I mean, it you could be found word of mouth, but I mean, word of mouth is very hard to scale. Yeah. And I mean, scalability is a very big word that keeps getting thrown around in, in today's business <laughs> uh-huh. is having the ability to scale and, and by producing content allows you to do that. Cool. And like you mentioned, different businesses and different audiences, you know, react differently to different types of content. So how do you help people to know or how can any business know like, all right, what what content's good for me? Do I need to work on photos, videos, blogs, like you mentioned? Like mm-hmm. how do you kind of figure out what your audience is gonna relate with? Yeah, kind of going back to that that fourth pillar is the the data and analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean if if you're a business that's been around, you got Google Analytics, you might have a CRM. I mean, we take a deep dive and really look at who are the people that are buying, who are the people that are, are buying often or uh, not not frequently, and really using the data and analytics to, to determine that. And uh, you know, if you don't have that, then really it's benchmarking. It's, yeah. well, we think that the based off of what you do, this seems to be your audience. Based off of research, your audience tends to uh, consume this type of content. So we run with it and we set up tons of A-B testing and, and really once things get to market, we take a look at the data and, and uh, from this audience, are these photos doing better than these videos? If it's videos, then we start dissecting what types of videos. Is it more um, talking head or is it more promo and super flashy videos and, and uh, kind of and that continues on uh, the overall strategy and the month to month. But I mean, it's a lot of let's let's isolate what what we think might be causing people to purchase or mm-hmm. uh, uh you know, enter your database, whether it be your newsletter, whatever it may be, whatever that goal is, that business goal or action is, let's use data to identify what's causing that, what type of content. And then from there, it's, it's, we'll be able to identify what it is. And once we keep narrowing it down, if we know it's video, if we know it's photos, if it's a blog, then it's like, okay, well, let's A-B test the blogs. What, what are the different types of blogs that, that we can produce or wow. the types of videos? Um, and so it's, it's a living, breathing thing. I mean, it's never, sure you know running a business it's never all right well we found the secret sauce now it's 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 set it and forget it it's always going to be evolving and Mm -hmm. and uh i mean you can use data and analytics to identify where where that evolution is happening to help you figure out what what content you need to produce to drive those sales yeah cool did your time at google really kind of give you this uh understanding and foundation to understand the data and analytics side of all this talk Talk to yes. about uh, the lessons learned working at Google yeah. that continue to benefit you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's that's essentially what we would uh, help business owners with is, I mean, at the very, very beginning, it's, uh, all right, well, what would people be typing in that, that you would want to have your business show up in front of? Mm-hmm. And then from that, it's once you kind of show them how to, how to make that happen in the platform, then the next conversation is, all right, well, let's get in here and take a look at all these keywords that we set up. Which one's driving traffic? Which one's not? What is the cost per click on each of these? Ultimately, what is uh, most people, their goal is is either filling out a form, setting up a calendar uh, invite or actual purchase is after you get that, that help them set that up, it's uh, going through and, and really identifying it. And the, the business owners that, that paid attention and, uh, you know, we, we went through everything. I mean, again, just hearing that excitement of, oh, wow, that one keyword, it's cost me $400 per sale, but this one is 20 like let's put more dollars here yeah. and then you do it and then you check in two weeks later and all of a sudden it's like they were breaking even at one point and now they're, they're at four or five X ROI. And then just, you know, here, seeing that actually happen, Google's the one that really educated on that, on what, you know, look at the data. And so once you communicate that and educate and then hear the excitement and actually see the business results, like that's exciting. And hearing that excitement really stuck in, 
Um, and I, yeah, just being data data focused is is really really been top of mind. And even whenever we're talking to, to brands and whatnot, it's it's usually the big piece that that is missing in today's marketing is. You know, we're doing videos, we're running ads, but really we don't know what, what that thing is that's really driving those purchases or those leads. Um, and so being able to help them identify that, it just, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. Cool. Awesome. Um, and not only Google, but you worked at some other digital agency places as well, right? Yeah. And so it was kind of like a free education. Are you getting paid to be educated on, on a lot of things before you started your business? Was there a lot that you learned not only from Google, but from other agencies that you like took bits and pieces from here and there and different things that people did that's kind of helped you to, to put it all together and what you guys have now at EIC? Absolutely. I mean, most people, it's uh, especially in the agency world, it's I, I know Google ads and that's all I want to do. Yeah. I know Facebook ads or I know analytics or mm-hmm. not to build a website. Um, I... I tend to get bored easily, and once I kind of understand it, it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next challenge that that's going to challenge me in my day to day? So, you know, over the course of six six and a half years, um, was able to. Uh, I always wanted to pilot anything new. So, anytime a client asked something that we didn't have the the specialty or whatever it may be in the agency, I was like, oh, I'll learn it. I'll learn. So it was like, okay, we'll learn Facebook ads. And then when the conversations came up, great, we're running these ads, but we don't know what's working. All right, well, I'll learn Google Analytics and how to tie in uh, form fills and transactions. And then it's like, all right, well, now that we can track that, we don't know how to get repeat business. And it's just, anytime I heard a problem in these these, uh, meetings is uh, I was always the first to raise my hand and, hey, I'll help figure it out. I mean, it's not my job. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is most people, well, it's not my job. And it's just like, no, that's... At the end of the day, we're 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 a team, and I think mm-hmm. going back to baseball helped create that. But I was always just the first one to raise my hand, and through it, I essentially got paid to get educated, yeah. which I think is a big difference in uh, uh, you know formal education and whatnot. But um, I mean, had the luxury some of the, some uh, two big agencies worked with. I mean, had the the luxury of working with like PF Changs and Pet Boys and uh, some pretty big brands, and and uh, managing over basically a million a month in in ad spend. And so from that, it's that's a lot of responsibility. Hey, you got a million of our dollars. What are we doing with it? And so, um, taking all the learnings and figuring out how to do it at that higher level. And then, uh, kind of, I, I thought I was on top of my game and that's when kind of got pushed out and kind of took all that learning and said, all right, well learned enough and made uh, other people enough money. Why don't we try and do it for ourselves? Yeah, that's cool. Well, I think it's a good insight for people that are wanting to start their own business. Cause a lot of times you hear from entrepreneurs, just, just go all in, like stop what you're doing, go on, go all in. But there was a lot of learning from you from spending time working at Google and working from these other companies and getting that paid education like you talked about. So I think it's, it's a, you don't always have to do it, but it's a good idea to, you know, get some education, get some experience in the industry you're wanting to go in, um, not only to, to educate yourself on it, but to see if you really like it. And I'm sure during that time you realize like, hey, I have a, a real passion for this. Because what if you had just gotten started, then a year or two down the line, you're all in and you realize you don't even like what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of, of power in um, the route you took um, working for places before jumping in. Yeah. And even learning the business side, it's like, yeah. I, knew, I knew the marketing and all that. And like when I, and that's where uh, the ASU came in is like, all right, well, I still need to have a roof over it. and I was getting married at the time. And so uh, weddings are a little expensive. So I need something <laughs> that was more stable coming in yeah. while I try to figure this out. I mean, never managed anyone in my life before that. I was never a manager, never ran a business. So learning how to actually run a business was a huge uh, learning opportunity. Uh, and the funny thing is knowing that I di- I've never managed or anything like that, I was still at ASU and we actually hired our first full-time person. And so <laughs> the side hustle had its own full-time person before I made the leap of faith. But uh-huh. I was like, well, I need to make sure I know how to manage and, and do all this before <laughs> right, right. I, you know, 
make the jump, bring someone on. It's like, well, I don't know how to manage. And now it's like, I'm spending more time there than actually fulfilling. And, um, I, I just try hard. I mean, if try hard to mitigate as much risk as possible. And if it takes a couple extra hours and, and, you know, waking up at four, going to bed at midnight, whatever it is, if it takes a little bit extra time, um, I think you could hedge some of that, that scariness that relieves some of the stress, which then opens up the brain space to really focus on how to, how to grow the business. Yeah. Was there, because you mentioned role models, was there anyone or, or maybe a book you read that kind of helped you with that, with that idea of, of hiring people before you get too busy? Because like a lot of people, especially if it's still a high side hustle, would never even you know consider hiring someone to take <laughs> on some of that work. So where did that idea come from? Honestly, I, I don't know where that idea came. A lot of people say, what are you, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, to me, it, it, it made sense just because there, there's so much to learn um, before rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, there wasn't anything or anyone specifically that, that helped me make that decision, but the one person that really helped light a, a flame under me, um, was Gary V. I I mean, just, I was listening to him quite a bit and, uh, you know, just the, how much people are spending, you know, watching Netflix, doing whatever. It's yeah. like, if you have real passion, any, any little moment that you have that, you know, you get to decide how you want to use it. And if yeah. your true passion is running a business, that extra time you're going to allocate it towards that. And, uh, Again, I, I just, I don't know. My dad was never big on, on risk, and I think that might have been it. Is I thought it would be risky to try and make, I don't know, make the make the move and try and hire at the same time, or I, I don't know. I mean, even looking back, I don't know if it's the right decision or wrong one, but, I mean, it, it taught me a lot. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say that's the right decision. Then. Sounds yeah. like it was the right decision. <laughs> Sounds like it was the right decision, definitely. <laughs> a couple other baseball analogies to go um, – you know, you, you mentioned you had a couple serious setbacks with the Tommy John and the Rotator Cuff. Uh, have you had similar setbacks in business since you started, or have you been injury-free? Yeah, I mean, th- there's always going to be setbacks, and I, I, I guess hesitate because, I mean, you could say it's a setback, but to me it's just a, a curveball that uh, you need to sit back on and go the other way with. But, oh, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, right, right when uh, we were in – so we're in an office now, and right before then, uh, we're in a little 200-square-foot thing. We had, like, four people in there, elbows to elbows, <laughs> and um, had a bigger place open up. And, I mean, from a financial perspective, it was a big stretch to make it happen. And right when we made that happen, literally two weeks in, lost a client, and they're just like, oh, man, this is it's stressful. I mean, how are we going to make it happen? But, you know, I'm big on on the more time you dwell and worry and all that, I mean, the the, the – the worst it's going to be. All you can do is, all right, well, we're at where we're at. What are the next moves that we can make? And I think being able to pivot in real time where we had a different set of priorities that, that was elsewhere, but all of a sudden sales and trying to bring on new revenue was a, a priority. And so it's just, all right, team, how are we going to do this? And uh, just figure it out. But I mean, a lot of a lot of the quote unquote setbacks would just be, um, had, I mean, just, just the curveballs that are thrown, but I don't think anything is a setback. It's just mm-hmm. more of an opportunity to figure out how you're gonna gonna evolve and, and get get over it. Awesome, awesome. Has COVID um, put any sort of positive or negative spin on business? So I guess actually going back to setbacks, yeah. So during COVID, found out that like the first day that that the stock market was crashing, found out my wife and I were pregnant. Um, so that, that was great. And wow. then a couple of days later, we, uh, we went on vacation in New York and this is when things were like really, really starting to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. the day that we got back, New York closed down pretty much. Um, but in that time period doing a lot of, a lot of white labeling work for other agencies and stuff. Yeah. And you know, when the initial news happened, most businesses put a, put a pause on, on their, 
um, their ads and whatnot. And so from that, I mean, we went, I think we lost a good 20 grand a month in, in revenue. Wow. On top of that, my wife's business, uh, they said they're putting a pause on things. So she kind of didn't have a job either. So it was like, Oh man, what's, what's going on. Yeah. But once it, again, it's all right, here's opportunity. We're always complaining that we're too busy, too busy to work on the business. Well, now we just had a bunch of time open up and we've, uh, we were able to work on our processes, um, our offerings. And really, I mean, a lot of the service that we do figure out how to productize them and, and make a more seamless sales process. Um, from that, you know, a lot of the white label work, the margins weren't as high as working with clients direct. So mm-hmm. now that that was out, you know, I had the mind space to really, uh, focus on our own business development. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the bright spot for us is that, you know, more people, uh, we're trying to get more digital through all this. And so, I mean, digital marketing has seen a, an uprise, but I think again, a scary moment losing all that, yeah. um, you know, in a, in a two, two or three day span, but oh, for it's, sure. you can sit there and, and worry too much about it, or you can sit there and try and figure out how to, how to change it. And so definitely seen a huge positive. And I mean, in the last six, six months or so, um, Pretty much have, have almost doubled the business, and so I mean it's roller coaster, <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> that baseball mindset has treated you well. Like, <laughs> you know, the thing about baseball that I love is how cerebral it is, how strategic it is, and that's one of the complaints. I can't get my kids to really love baseball because like, there's not enough scoring. It's boring. Uh-huh. But, you know, they don't understand all the strategy that's going in, mm-hmm. and, and it sounds like that that. Uh, baseball mindset has really helped you to strategize, to plan ahead, think about you know two moves ahead and what's what's <laughs> yeah. the what's the opponent doing. Um, yeah, I love that. And if there's anything else you'd like to add to that, feel free. Yeah, no, I mean I I constantly look back and just really attribute baseball to being a big part of the mindset. And I think my mindset has been a big part of of uh, you know where we're at today um, in terms of the business. And so I, I think. Uh, I appreciate baseball quite a bit because yeah. of that. But yeah, to your point, it's definitely a chess game. Cool. No, yeah, I love just your mindset on, you know, anything that happens that goes wrong, there's always an opportunity to spin that. And like you said, COVID, um, you lose all these sales. It seems like a super scary moment. A lot of people might want to, you know, close down or push back, but <laughs> you just found an opportunity to to put a positive light on things. And like you said, you've now doubled doubled your business. Yeah. So that's awesome to see. Um, and digital marketing has grown, like you said, now that everyone yeah. is at home. So although it's it's been hard on businesses, everyone's at home more and on their phones more um, and looking at ads more. Has that been has that been part of the growth from you guys? Just seeing more people um, having the opportunity to to look at ads and see what what your clients have to offer. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that it did is is uh, from a financial perspective. Anytime there's a big gut punch, it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. I think things got too frothy i think things came uh, sale money was being passed around so so much that there wasn't a ton of scrutiny on on where dollars are going and yeah. when this happened all of a sudden it was like where what is our marketing doing how are we tracking it yeah. and then the conversations quickly got on to well why are we doing billboard regular tv and all, and all that if we can't really track how many sales it's generating where are we generating sales let's push the dollars there right. and so it brought up internal conversations on you know, more scrutiny on where dollars are being spent. Mm-hmm. And so that, that part I think has played a role in that. And then the other part is people are at home more. I mean, video consumption is, is more than doubled since COVID hit. I mean, people are at home watching TV, watching YouTube and whatnot, but I mean, being able to track, track people and, and reach people digitally, I think has been, been a huge part of, of the 
switch over to uh, digital quite a bit. Yeah. And that was one of the other pillars you mentioned of your business, right? Is the paid paid advertisement. Mm-hmm. Was it paid ads and then was it just like social ads? Or social uh, organic. So organic, like SEO. Organic, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, talk to us a bit about the difference of that. You know, what, what company, what options companies have in terms of, of organic versus paid ads? Yeah. So the paid ads, I mean, that's whenever you see, I mean, most people are familiar with the Facebook ads, yeah. those pre-roll YouTube ads you can skip in five mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, the ads that show up at top of Google. So uh, we help, we basically help our clients put dollars in, and figure out what channels to serve those ads on. Um, and really, it's it's you can get in front of someone right now. Um, so it's it's quick to get in front of eyeballs. It's quick to scale there. The organic side, these are typically like on Google and, and Yahoo that show up under under the paid ad section. Yeah. Um, and so there's two different strategies that you can't pay to, to show up organically. Um, it's a matter of creating content, typically blog content or whatever it may be, um, getting backlinks from other people's websites to yours, um, different strategies, but uh, it's it's both that really wins. If they're seeing you on the paid side, scroll down, they see organically, they kind of see everywhere. They're like, oh, these, these guys must be huge or they're doing well. They're kind of everywhere. And so really one, one is you pay to show up now. Um, and you pay per click. The other one is you pay with co- uh, investing into content. And over over time, I mean, it, it's a long-term uh, growth strategy for yeah. the organic and SEO side. Yeah. Um, so I, I, businesses should be doing both. Most tend to uh, allocate their time and effort towards paid because right. it's typically it's an, faster, immediate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. an immediate return. Um, but you're always going to have, have to be paying for those leads or those sales coming in where once you pick up traction organically, those clicks are free. So yeah. essentially, it's you're getting free traffic as, as that builds. And so um, it's a matter of yeah, that, that short term and long term and, and uh, how to, to match the two together. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So I was going to ask if you had to pick, if a company had to pick one or the other, but it sounds like just what your strategy is. Like, are you looking for quick instant business or are you here more for the long-term game? And if, if that's the case, it might be better to, if you could only focus on one, to focus on the organic reach. Yeah, because typically most businesses aren't going to have the budget to do everything. I right. mean, unless you're, you're a big organization and and. SEO, I mean, it's going to take you three, four, five, six months to start showing up organically. So mm-hmm. there's a bit of investment before you start seeing that ROI come in. So if you're testing the waters or trying to figure something out, I mean, I'm, I'm big on let's drive some ROI now. And once you have that, that you can use that to reinvest into those other channels that take a little bit longer. And so to me, if you're not doing anything or trying to test it, it's do paid first. You're going to you're going to pay to play, but you're going to drive some revenue now that that profit that you you get from it, you can either reinvest it back in the paid or use that to fund these other initiatives, cool. creating content, SEO, all that yeah. stuff. 
if someone is on like a super slim budget, just starting out, trying to like dip their feet into to the marketing world, um, if they could start with just one, you know, platform, whether it's Facebook, Google, YouTube, blogs, you know, what would it be? What would you recommend? What would you steer them towards? I would, I mean, depending on, on the business and if they have traffic coming to their website, mm-hmm. um, I would, it would be paid and it would be more the retargeting. Um, so basically I'm sure you guys have seen where you look at a pair of shoes and those same shoes follow you everywhere. <laughs> um, that tactic, uh, on Facebook and, and Google, um, and really because it's, it's, you're limited to the amount of people that are hitting your website. And so it's not, you're not, you don't need a huge budget yeah. to, to reach new people. Essentially the conversion rate is typically a lot stronger. Um, uh, meaning, how many people get to your website to sale, uh, that, that ratio is much higher. So that, that retargeting is typically where most of the ROI comes from. Um, and if you're already a business that has website traffic, that's, that's the low hanging fruit. Cool. cool. You've mentioned ROI a lot, which kind of ties into to the last pillar. And it sounds like you, you're big on ROI, you're big on analytics. Talk to us about, um, why that's so important when it comes to a company's, uh, marketing needs. If you're not driving an ROI, you can't keep the lights on. I mean, you're going to keep investing dollars and and if you're spending more than you're making, it's not sustainable. And so, I mean, going back to some of those agencies that I I worked at, I mean, many times in these monthly meetings, it's like, well, we showed up a million times or two million times, whatever it is. And the client's like, okay, well, that's cool. But how much money did I make from it? So it was always, again, just listening to the problems that came from what we're pitching or presenting. Um, it always came back to, well, how is this doing? Well, how much, how much are we making in revenue? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just hearing that from these big brands, I mean, I'd assume that everyone else wanted that. And as I've had more conversations with business owners and whatnot, it's always, I, I need to make more than I'm spending. And so I think a lot of agencies don't, don't focus on that for whatever reason. Yeah. And it is tough to one, identify it and quantify it, but two, build a strategy that continues to expand it. It's easy to say, you showed up 20 million times. That's huge. You probably dropped, and, and uh, the, the brand is, oh yeah, that, that that's cool. But at the end of the day, it's it's need to help businesses make more money than they're spending and allows them to bring up more resources and, and help uh, change other people's lives. Cool, cool. Can you talk to us maybe about a, a specific experience, maybe for you or for one of your, your clients where um, being able to look at those analytics and ROI has helped them um, whether it was, you know, looking at like, hey, this this specific campaign or this specific um, use of, of money is really doing good. Let's put more towards that. And it's really been able to benefit their business. Yeah. So there's uh, there's one client recently that, that we've been working with uh, since February of last year. And and really, they were, I mean, they're spending three grand a month in, in ads. Um, it was all Google ads and they weren't really seeing much. Um, so after we came on, we helped them uh, basically track uh, yeah. sales. It's an online store, and so we helped them track sales. They were doing about sixty grand a month in revenue. Um, basically, took their same budget, didn't add any more, just reconfigured everything, got tracking going, um, and they're doing about one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy grand a month now. So wow. um, yeah, almost three. Yeah, yeah, three x. And I mean, it happened in a matter of a couple months, and now they're bringing more employees on. Um, we're talking, you know, expanding the budget, but I'm just big and, and, uh, uh, you know, we say it in the office where we want to try and change family trees and it's, it's, uh, doing that through marketing. And this is a prime example of, I mean, a lot of people, whenever you say that, they think of the financial part, but I mean, this business that they're in, I mean, it's, it's as they grow, they can bring people on that this might be their passion and this, because they had the revenue and, and coming in, they were able to hire this person and had they not done it, this person might not have been able to do what it is that they love doing. Um, 
and whatever that that may be and so again just big on if we can provide those business results that that money is going to be used to uh to provide happiness for not only the business owner the employees there and the potential employees that are going to be coming on that Mm -hmm. that is what they want to do and so um again just take pride in in reverse engineering strategy and, and driving results like that that's cool I'm curious, when you're looking at these analytics, when you're looking at all the data, is there something in particular that you're always looking for, whether it's um, the impressions, the clicks that someone's getting, just the views on a website or leads? Is there anything in particular that you, you try to point out and, and that sort of helps you know like how good or bad it's doing? Or is it just kind of everything in general plays into it? Yeah, so all those, like the impressions, the clicks, those are like secondary KPIs that yeah. a lot of people focus on. But uh, the big numbers that we focus on is the the cost per customer acquisition. Okay. I mean, ultimately, th- that that's going to determine the ROI. It's yeah. if, if this keyword, it, it costs 100 bucks to get a sale and this one is $20, I mean, that's going to be a telling, telling KPI that... This one's doing better and more profitable. Let's put more there. Yeah. Those other KPIs like click-through rates and cost per click and even conversion rate, it's they could look good, but ultimately they're not driving revenue, which that's ultimately what everyone wants is mm-hmm. that revenue. And so I see more times than not, people focus on the cost to serve a thousand impressions. They're like, ah, oh, it's too expensive. But I'm like, well, yeah, it's four times expensive than this other stuff over here, but it's converting 20 times as strong. So the ROI right. on it is better. And you're looking at a front end metric. It looks more expensive, but in reality, this other one's more expensive because you're wasting more dollars than what this one is driving. And yeah. so uh, there's so many KPIs that you can get distracted about uh, around, but ultimately it comes down to what is what is driving that business result. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, two scenarios I think that could happen. One, like you mentioned, is people think they're spending so much on, on a certain metric, but if you're doing good on your, your acquisition, then that's what really matters. Yeah. But another thing that could happen, I feel like, is um, you see those numbers, you're like, oh, it's doing really good. Like our cost per lead or our cost per click is really low. But then if you're not if you're not getting those customers at that point, it doesn't really matter how many clicks you're getting if they're not converting. So I think that's a super important metric to look at. Exactly. I mean, a good example is you can run Facebook lead ads and, and they do a good job at, at getting a lead. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a big problem there is, is sales teams have a hard time getting in contact with that person. So it's like you're getting a $20 lead here. Driving to the website is a $100 lead, but it takes 100 people to convert down here and only three to convert up here. So ultimately, yeah, the lead is more expensive, but it's, it's driving a higher ROI because the sales team can actually get, get in contact with them and close the deal, whatever it may be. And a uh, good example of, of not focusing on the wrong metrics. Yeah, cool. So EIC stands for Every Impression Counts, right? Yep. Do you want to talk a bit about you know where that name came from, what it means in terms of, of the business? Yeah, so in today's world, I mean, a lot of people talk about you need to make the first impression count. Yeah. Um, I mean, in today's world, it takes 15 plus touch points for a consumer to remember your brand or even make a purchasing decision. And so if you're focused on that that first impression only making that one count, there's still 14 more that you need to focus on before someone really makes that decision. And so to me, it's why focus on the first impression when you need to make every impression count because mm-hmm. that's gonna that's ultimately gonna lead someone to purchase. And even then, after the purchase, you need to make those impressions count. And then that that get, leads to uh, multiple purchases and increasing lifetime value of a customer. Um, and just going back to those weird, not weird, but uh, wrong KPIs or metrics to look at. Yeah. Uh, people were, oh, we served all these impressions and uh, basically you get you get charged whenever you serve an impression. And so more times than not, it's like, well, we're serving all these impressions, but they're not, they're not driving sales. So we need to make sure we make every impression count. I just kept hearing that and it was just, all right, well, I heard that and just kind of, you know, first impression versus every and it just kind of stuck. 
That's cool. Um, so we talked about you talked about fifteen impressions, kind of what it takes for someone to take action. Is that um, does that need to be over a particular you know period of time? Like, can those fifteen all be within a couple of days, or should it be spaced out between a couple of weeks for that to be most effective? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's a it's a fine line. I mean, you don't yeah. we don't want to you know blast someone fifteen times the first day, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would say I mean it really goes back into the buying cycle. I mean. For someone to, to purchase a car, it's probably more of the 30, 40 impression mark where um, buying socks, it might not take as many, but knowing that you know someone can buy socks right now as opposed, it's probably going to take me a couple weeks to uh, purchase a car. Uh, I mean, it's it's I would say anywhere between that two to two to four week mark. Uh, if you if you can hit them about fifteen to twenty times, that's kind of that sweet spot where they'll they'll remember the brand, the logo, uh, yeah, what you guys yeah. offer. Cool. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, thanks for walking us through kind of those four pillars, giving us a, more of an inside look of, of what you guys offer as a company. Um, I'm curious, when you're when you're going after customers um, or after clients, are you using um, marketing, digital marketing yourself to go after them? Or are you are you cold calling people? How do you get new clients? Yeah, so we've uh, we've done done a bit of digital marketing. It's kind of our sweet spot. Yeah. One thing that we've been working on quite a bit is our business development mm-hmm. uh, process and plan. Um, right now, we've been doing a lot. We found uh, pretty good success mixing cold calling and cold email. Gotcha. Um, essentially, we, we have a whole 16 touch point cadence um, that introduces who we are, what we do, hits on problems based off of their industry. So through email uh, and cold calling, we, we uh, basically introduce ourselves. But typically, what we're seeing is um, people will click on our signature, go to the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, this is where the paid media comes in and going back to that retargeting. They might not respond right now or, uh, uh, you know, they might not respond immediately whenever we reach out. Yeah. But after they go to our website, now they're, we can retarget them. All of a sudden they leave. They start seeing our brand everywhere. We start showing the podcast. We start showing case studies. We start using our digital marketing prowess to really stay top of mind and, and hit them that 15, 16 times digitally with different creative that all speaks to who we are, the results that we've driven for clients, our different pillars who the team is and, and really humanize our brand. And yeah. what we're seeing is after someone clicks on the email and then they're retargeted, they, they come back and say, I, what you guys are doing to me, I want you guys to do that for us. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like the proof is in the pudding. And it's it, it blows my mind how many marketing agencies don't market their own brand. All those big agencies I worked at, it was all word of mouth. They never did any any digital ads. And so yeah, it's... That's cool. So you kind of put them through the experience and be like, okay, this is working for me. Like I want this for my customers now. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Cool. That's cool. And you mentioned the podcast. So you have a podcast as well. Can you talk to us about where that idea came from? Why you decided to, to mix in a podcast with, with a digital marketing agency? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that started early on. I mean, I, I've known him for about eight, nine years mm-hmm. and, uh, um, podcasting what to me was an easy way to create content that wasn't video really it was all geared towards SEO yeah. originally it was gonna be nothing but marketing tips how to set up Facebook ads how to look at Google Analytics all that stuff started doing that and then all of a sudden businesses started reaching out and like, hey I'd love to come on could you highlight me and right um, so then that happened and then all of a sudden it shifted to yeah let's get more more uh, guests on and it's fun again i i love i love helping others and highlighting other brands and whatnot and so it's kind of transformed into uh into that and so the 
interviewing guests and other entrepreneurs wasn't the original goal, just right. kind of transformed. But again, it, it just shows that you got to kind of pivot in real time as, as the business grows. Tell us about just, it sounds like you have so much education in terms of, of digital marketing. Um, what's, what's next? Is there anything new kind of on the horizon in terms of, of companies with their digital marketing, things that they should be on the look for or start to be looking at? OTT. This is one that we are preaching and this is essentially uh, um, ads that that are around Hulu, basically getting brands on Hulu and whatnot. And so um, it's it's almost huh. like traditional TV, uh-huh. but in today's digital world, like before you had to, uh, I mean, you hit a zip code um, and you, you used to have a TV commercial that went out through the whole zip code. Right. Now we can target individual households based off of the locations they went to. So if they went to a competitor's uh, storefront, we can hit that consumer. If they've uh, can target based off of transaction data. We can literally retarget people so they've been to your website or sales page. After they leave, we can then hit them on TV. Um, it is such a huge white space. And I mean, going wow. back to uh, um, like Facebook, typically costs 20 bucks to reach a thousand people. Yeah. With this super targeted TV, it's only like 35 bucks to, uh, to reach people. And just that, you know, someone finds you on Facebook. Okay, cool. They go to your website. But as soon as someone sees you on TV, that brand perception is just like, these guys must be huge. I've seen them on, on it's there. Legitimate, now we're right? seeing them on yeah. TV. These guys must be killing it. Wow. And so it just helps with that brand authority. And uh-huh. uh, and it's something that a lot of brands are not doing right now. So, I mean, it's it's a great way to differentiate yourself from uh, those big, huge brands. That's super cool. And like you said, there's just like, even though it costs a bit more, there's something when you see someone like on TV, it's like, oh, like you said, it's a big brand. It's legit. So I think that that's probably huge for, for companies trying to just yeah. look at somewhere to put and their even, money. Yeah. And even then it's most of the time, it's one big message that kind of goes out to everyone. It's uh-huh. like knowing that you can retarget, you can personalize that messaging where yeah. if they've been to one page, do a commercial about it. Like for us, for example, if someone visits our SEO page, we can then produce a TV spot that speaks to how well we do SEO. And then we we continue that conversation out on TV. And it's like, wait, I was looking at your SEO stuff and you're talking about it. <laughs> it just, wow, I want you guys to do that for me. Yeah. And and again, it just it just helps build that 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 brand authority and, yeah. and uh, get people to reach back out. That's cool. So it's like the best of both worlds. It's the legitimacy of, of a TV ad and the retargeting of, exactly. of these Facebook. Hyper-targeted TV. Wow, that's yeah. super cool. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. So for business owners that are listening that um, maybe aren't doing much in terms of marketing or maybe they're just doing it on their own, like why why should they hire a digital marketing agency? Why should they maybe, you know, take a look at you guys um, or, or look into marketing in general for their business? Yeah, so it's... Uh I'm a big believer in, in uh, lean into your strengths. And uh, most people don't start a business because they want to market it. They want to, whatever solution that they came up that solves that problem, they want to sell that. They want to work on the business. And uh, really, it's it's it, going back to, is the time you're spending that ROI positive? Um, you know, you're learning marketing. So you spending an hour trying to learn it as opposed to figuring out your processes, how you can run a bit more efficiently. Um, it's just not as ROI positive to try and learn it yourself. And so although it it might cost money to hire an agency overall, I mean, the time it takes the opportunity cost spending that those two hours might cost you $2,000 in revenue where you could have done something else where it might only cost a thousand dollars to hire someone. So it's like, Oh sure. It's too expensive to hire someone at a grand, but it's like, well, you lost two grand in revenue because you tried to figure it out yourself when Mm -hmm. you could have been out selling or networking or doing whatever. I mean, there's only so much time in the day and, and, uh, learning how to run marketing typically isn't as ROI positive as the networking and trying to sell what your business sells. Yeah. So it's like, quick question on that. So Dustin, many entrepreneurs have the mindset of I've got to do everything myself. Like I don't, I don't have employees Mm -hmm. to do that yet. And 
and and and cash flow might be tight and so they're just trying to do everything themselves they're building their own website they're doing yeah. their own seo how do you help that entrepreneur take that next step and overcome that mindset hurdle of okay i'm going to let go of the marketing piece and i'm going to let dustin handle that how how do you how do you help them get over that hurdle yeah and i think this comes back to the data and analytics is it, it's i only have so much money and i don't want to be investing in the wrong things as long as you, you give us some of that budget and we can run with it. If we can have have and show you that every dollar you're putting in, you're making more. At least it has that confidence that I'm not just spending my money and uh, not seeing a return. And I think a lot of people see their marketing as that as a cost rather than an investment. An investment drives ROI where a cost is. I mean, it's a sunken cost. Yeah. And so we've done a really good job and worked hard at trying to build these real-time dashboards that, that we give our clients that you can click on a link and exactly see, I've spent this much, I've made this much. Um, whenever you kind of show that to them, it kind of gives them that confidence that, all right, well, you guys are mindful of my dollars and my revenue. I have the confidence that, I think that's what it comes down to is, hey, these guys just want to take my money. That's not, that's not really the case. We want to help you grow. And so if we can show that in real time up to the, the minute, I think that helps with that confidence. Um, to at least get them to say yes with a smaller budget. And then as we actually execute and drive that ROI, that confidence builds. And then once they can start you know, working on those other networking, what, those other revenue driving activities, and just see what it does for the overall top line and, and whatnot, I think, again, it just keeps building that confidence. And so I just keep harping, harping on it quite a bit. It's that, that data and analytics that really helps with uh, you know, getting someone over to those next steps. Cool. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of education then for <clears throat> for clients and just for business owners, just the importance of digital marketing. Because I think there's there's kind of like two different ways of of looking at it. You can work until you have enough business to hire someone or hire someone to do your marketing, or you can you know hire an employee or hire a marketing agency and then create those opportunities for more work. And although mm -hmm. um, the latter might be a little more risky, um, it can get you to where you want to be a lot quicker if you do it the right way. If you yep. look at all the data and analytics, like like it looks like you offer to your clients. And so if they, you know, look at their options and see, um, even though I'm taking a little risk, if I, if I hire on Dustin and I put just this amount of money in, it could create all these opportunities for my business to, to expand and to scale a lot quicker than I would have otherwise. Yeah. I mean, one way I, I quickly try and, and speak to that is, I mean, people need to know that you guys are around, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're not marketing, no one knows. I mean, eventually people will learn about you as, as you get more sales, but how much time is it for a thousand people to gonna be aware of your brand based on the sales you got yeah. when we can reach a thousand people in, in one day and at the at the end of the day, it's are those people are reaching, are they buying? And, and it comes down to those, those data and analytics. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Awesome, okay. Um, we're coming up on our hour here, Dustin. Uh, really it's appreciated quick. all the. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, fun, my friend. Yeah, all the information you shared with us. You have so much knowledge when it comes to to marketing and advertising. Um, so I just want to hear if, if there's anything we missed. If you had one more piece of advice um, to our listeners today, what would you share? Biggest thing I would share is I think a lot of a lot of businesses are scared to test and try. Uh, they they try to achieve perfection. Yeah, and at the end of the day. Perfect is the enemy of good, and uh, I think that holds a lot of people back from actually trying. All these things that we talked about, the SEO, making videos, everything, its you can't do it all, but just try it one step at a time, whether it's hiring someone or trying to figure it out on your own. You got to keep trying and learning because this is the way that, that people are consuming content and learning about brands. And so you have to continually be, be learning. And once you get to the point, you're going to find things that win. But as soon as you get to the point where you can't do it yourself and have to hire an agency or whatever it may yeah. be, 
you've learned and so you can have better conversations more intelligent conversations with either that employee or that agency on what's really going on and so the biggest thing i would have is is just try and don't don't try to be perfect just try and get things out and, and test i mean it's 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 only going to lead to success awesome love it love it okay um, so before we close up here, we have a quick little game we're going to play with you. Cool. Um, so how it's going to work is we have a list of 20 questions that we're going to ask you. Cool. And you have a minute to answer as many of them as possible. And so we're going to see how, All you, right. uh, how you square up against some of other guests we've had. Cool. All right. Do you want to start us off yep. in three, two, one? Your dream vacation. Jamaica. Uh, first thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars. 67 Camaro. Nice. Your favorite hobby. Working on the business. Uh, if there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Typing. A song you've been jamming to recently. Ah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, can I pass? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, if you lived to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Mind. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Neapolitan. Nice. Favorite fictional character? Captain Underpants. <laughs> Favorite smell? Money. <laughs> What's your nickname? D Trout. Uh, pet peeve. People just not listening. Favorite restaurant? Olive Garden. Uh, if you could switch places with someone for a day, who would it be? Gary V. Cool. And our the time the buzzer didn't go off, but our time just ran. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you wanna, that was good. Gets you thinking. I fell under pressure. Yeah. Well, you uh, you went fast. If it wasn't for the uh, the song one, I think you might have gotten I, our record. That's there. the only thing I listen to all the time, and I just, yeah, I couldn't think of the one one song. Oh shit! Uh. I was gonna say, are you not a music guy, or did you just uh, blank for a second? There? <laughs> you want to go back and answer it real quick? I still don't even know. I don't, don't have know. one song. Yeah, I don't have one song. It's just uh. It's usually either podcasts or uh, just on shuffle and everything. So cool, cool, love it. Okay, um, Dustin, why don't you let our audience know where they can find you if they want to learn more about you and EIC Agency? Yeah, so you can visit our website eic agency. There's no dot com. It's it's just okay. eic dot agency. Sweet. Um, yeah, and I mean, I love if you uh, search for our podcast it's called Rise, Grind, Repeat. Uh, it's on all the major uh, podcast channels. Um, uh, I'd love to, if you connect with me either on LinkedIn or, or Instagram, Dustin.Trout. Um, yeah. Awesome. Love it. And then I know you have a, a little special offer for our listeners as well. Could you share that real quickly? Yeah. So typically we'll, uh, I mean, the biggest thing that most people want to know is how they're doing compared to their competitors, yeah. where areas of opportunity. Uh, we have a, a full in-depth analysis that we'll do that, that shows you what your digital health looks like uh, compared to your competitor. I uh, typically charge $500 for it, but happy to uh, offer it to your listeners at $50. Um, be a full 13-page report, and we'll wow. give over a write-up on what, what opportunities there are. Essentially, it's a blueprint for you to go execute on. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, that's yeah, an awesome really offer. Yeah, yeah, it would be great for uh, people to take advantage of. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again, Dustin. Like we said, learned a ton from you uh, about business and just you know marketing and, and advertising in general. So anyone in baseball, um, yeah, in <laughs> baseball, yeah. So anyone uh, looking to play baseball or looking to do some more marketing um, in their business, this is an awesome one to listen to a couple times and learn a couple things. So thanks again, and uh, have a good week. We'll catch you next time. Appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. 
You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.